Amakwini Togozani Emakosini. Ikamalam Guzi Poagokdolamo Elogukula Gumai Shome. Ba Utanda Ungan Biza Gokumai Shome Oganya Gokunazu. Bendizo Tanda Utata Eli Tuba, Ditsama Kushekuzo Zonga is surely as in Dipeteo as Pagatikum Zimbawam, and Libeleo Oganya Engas Bizang and Goku Zinga Kumbis Kalikis. Dikalengotamakusha. Emma Bileni, M. Olanga, Olambulo, Kunda, or Vapi, or Nanda Pagani Sanda Tamakusha. The Tamakushe, Emma Zizini, Olamienum Dadela, or Binoboya. The Tamakusha Combatano Cosibe, Dinga Wali Belanga, Mampinga, Owawa, Opolo Gosh. Tamakusha Christmas and Pesce, Lelias and Begi Pele, and Clog on the Chocutiano Zengele, Unongo Setan Sichon Tamakush. Tamakushe Christmas, so tall on Langisa. Tamakushe Kotida on Wangule. Tamakushe Kusuelas and Fundus are Opagamasitlozi. Jal on Togos is a Kubaba Wam, Umam Dambok and Lango, Tangi Togos a Coco, Togos is a Kukum Kuluami, Umapizi, Gama Hoto, Diti Bayeta Makosa Makul, Makose Zizwe, Yatamakosha. Togozani and welcome to episode 11 of Gogo Have I Been Scammed, brought to you by Times Live. On this platform, we discuss, share wisdom and raise awareness on all things traditional African spirituality and indigenous knowledge, including but not limited to scams. My name is Gogo Zipodolamo and I am your host. We are in the month of Feb, can you believe it? As my grandmother Uma Jamini would say, we are Kauleza Lonyaga, in fact, Upelile. Nonetheless, we are here celebrating the month of love, or rather the month that is popularly known as the month of love. I would often wish my mother a happy Valentine's Day on an annual basis, and she does not shy away from reminding me of the pagan nature of this holiday. But nonetheless, I wish you all a happy Valentine's Day and I wish you all moments of love and affection and feeling adored by your loved ones. I have written extensively about my relationship with Valentine's Day, even as much as I, you know, don't necessarily adopt it as a personal thing. But I do think that when we do have moments to remind ourselves and the ones that we love, that we love and care about them, I think we should take every opportunity that we have. I've written about this extensively in my column in the Sowetan. So please, if you have a moment, please go onto the Sowetan Live website. Um, on the search tab, type my name, Zipo, Z-I-P-H-O-D-O-L-A-M-O, and all of those publications should come up. I think it is quite um, important that we thematically align ourselves as well with conversations about love and spirituality because the two intertwine in so many different and powerful ways. I mean, we see a lot of comedic prowess on the internet about love and people being bewitched in their relationships and so forth. And I think it reminds me of my early, early, early times as a Twasane. Um, I think it must have been in and around 2019, 2020, um, living in my maternal hometown of Imtata. 
I remember my then Kobela Umatiane would encourage us to see clients, encourage us to be open towards consultations and seeing people, um, consulting with people on the basis at which that they need help. And I remember her emphasizing that even though people are not in a financial position, I think the obligation is that we help them until such a time that they can show up financially for themselves. In fact, she would deeply discourage us from turning clients away on the basis that they didn't have money. She felt as though it was almost taboo in her school of thought and in her teaching. And so we operated in that way. I remember having a client one time who who came to me and she said to me, listen, I don't actually have the money to consult, but I really need help. And I thought to myself, you know, it's it's fine. It's whatever. According to the teaching, in any case, I can't turn you away and I can't say no. Um, and so I invited her to my home. I gave her a time and a place. She kept rescheduling. And again, you know, when you work, with people in a spiritual setting you don't ever want to force them to work on your time and and according to your schedule because and so eventually she did make um she did make the time to come and see me um and i was i was a little bit surprised about i suppose the reason that she had come to see me um it was a bring back lost lover kind of a situation where she simply could not deal with the father of her child being with somebody else. She couldn't deal with the father of her child moving on, having a new relationship and so forth. And so she had gone to a healer prior to, to her deciding to consult me for help to sort of help her with that situation. You know, she 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 met this healer and a promise of her lost lover coming back or her lost lover returning was made um, in exchange of money as well. An exchange of 2000 rands was made as well. And they sort of had this agreement that, you know, you use Lomuti, Lonaganjena or Ukezaganjena and this is what will likely happen. Now, she had come to me in frustration because none of which that was promised had materialized. The father of her child was still gallivanting happily with his girlfriend living his best love lives here life and paying no mind and attention to her. And so I listened to her story and, and, I, and I just had one question that I couldn't help but to verbalize. I said to her, so so what do you want me to do? You know, I thought to myself, what do you want me to do? And she said to me that, you know, I, you know, I still love him and I still want to try this interaction between us again. And I really, I just, I, I just want him back at all costs. And I just thought to myself, Ish, I mean, I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about build, bringing back a lost lover, but I do know a little bit about other things. And so I, you know, I, even in my flabbergastedness, if that's a word, I I tried to 
to relate to her on a humanly level. And I tried to sort of deflect towards things that might make sense to her, right? Like, you know, does she have a job? How was her relationship with her parents? How was her relationship with her child and the father of her child in so far as it pertains to the child? You know, I, I asked her questions like, does she really want to be with a person who very clearly is happy with somebody else? Does she want to coerce a relationship that, you know, clearly is not working out? Um, and also just lastly, why? Like, why? You know, just, just girl, why? But I, I, I realized my position as a healer that I can't obviously be overtly judgmental in her face about it, at least. But I still couldn't help but ask myself, Uwuti, why does she want this interaction to work out so badly that she will have parted with 2,000 South African rands to make it happen? And now that it has not happened, what makes her think that the next person or the next healer will not just take money from her with the same false promise that will yield nothing? I... I deflected the conversation a bit more and tried to get the focus towards herself and her child um, and, and focusing on the things that can enrich them in, you know, in their relationship, in their spiritual relationship, in how she teaches her child to have a relationship with God, how she teaches her child to have a relationship with herself and men and so forth. And though I think I might have been successful in deflecting in that specific conversation and in that interaction, I'm not sure that that strategy of deflection will work everywhere and with everyone. And so I suppose really the point of, of this story, of this anecdote rather, isn't about how women will go out of their ways to, to bewitch men at exponentially high rates and to get men to act within what they, the women want and not necessarily they, their free will. It's about love and relationships and how they interact with spirituality. Um, how does love coexist with spirituality? How do they compound or foster one another? How, how does that relationship happen? And I think in, in today's conversation, I want to structure it in, in, in different segments. In as much as, yes, there is love with spiritual um, interference, but there is also love where, um, in relationships where people navigate spirituality together. There are ways in which, you know, we can recommend to do love and spirituality together and so forth. So I just don't want to focus only on the element of interference, but also the, on the elements at which we are active in owning the process, in owning our, our role in, in being active in spirituality and making way for love and relationships, um, romantic relationships and so forth. Naturally, the topic or the topics at hand are a little bit too multifaceted for me to delve in alone. I could never, even if I wanted to unpack all of this by myself. And so I have the pleasure of having some of the most amazing guests today. Um, I want to say that this is a Gogo Have I Been Scammed milestone in the sense that we have never had a couple here 
to together to discuss love. And so I'm very excited in giving my guests a warm welcome. Welcome to Amina, aka or also known as Mkulutandoluetu. And Cynthia, please join us in giving them a warm welcome. Thank you Thank for having you. us. Thank you for having us. Um, so you guys are very, very impressive, and I don't think I would do you any justice if I were into to introduce you and to tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. So I would like to hand that over to you and starting with Amina. Amina, please introduce yourself. Um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, my name is Amina Deka Asma. I'm a multimedia journalist by profession, but I work in podcasting space. Um, I'm also a trained Sangoma, like you said, Mkulu Tandoluetu. Um, I trusted a few years ago. So I, outside of my professional work, I also work with, in the space of healing and helping people um, through different modalities. So whether it's a card reading through tarot cards or a bone reading and cleansings, also offer counseling. Um, yeah, that's just a bit about me. Thank you so much, Amina. Um, over to you, Cynthia. Hi, my name is Cynthia. Um, I'm a political science graduate and a researcher and also get advanced with the social media. I'm a content creator. That's what I do. A very warm welcome to you both. And thank you so much for taking time out of what I'm sure are incredibly busy schedules towards contributing to the to the co-construction of indigenous knowledge today. I think you guys are doing very important work, if I do say so myself. Um, and as I had said, I would like to, you know, segment our discussion today. And I think I would like to start off with the idea of manufactured love in spirituality. Um, Mkulu, what is your experience with that? You know, and and by what is your experience with that, I I I suppose, have you had clients that want you to act in similar ways as what my client would have wanted me to do um, all of those years ago? And how have you dealt with it? Um, I think my my experience is quite similar to yours in the fact that um, during my Twasane days, Gobelawam was a very, uh, is a teacher that insists on teaching through like experience. So we also used to consult a lot of clients that came into the Ndumba and things like that. And yes, have come across people who have wanted to, like you say, manufacture love. Um, interestingly enough, enough, in my experience, it was actually a, 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 a man who was trying to win back his ex-girlfriend. And so the, the the conversation was very, it was quite shocking because like this person went to the extent of hiding his identity when making a booking with us, um, not being explicit with the fact that this is who his girlfriend was because his girlfriend was also a client of ours. So he tried to kind of get us to intervene in not only winning her back, but also kind of like breaking up what seemed to be a new relationship with someone else. 
Um, that was quite like mind boggling, but also quite quite sobering because I think as a Twasana, there's so many things that you come across as a person that's studying indigenous knowledge and traditional healing, but you're also a person outside of that, outside of Ubungo mm. Mabako. So it, it was like, as much as you want to be shocked, at the same time, you realize how much of a real situation you're faced with, you know, how realistic it is um, to be faced with someone who does not want to lose a person that they love, you know, and the extremes that they would go to and the measure that measures that they would take. We also um, did the same thing, my siblings and I. We deflected, um, advised him to rather fix himself up, you know, like try to delve a bit more into his family, what he does for a living, all those types of things. Um, of course, he never came back, you know, for any of, of anything else post that reading. But the one thing that I, as a healer, is very steadfast in is like the manipulation of anything, you know, um, on on behalf, especially on behalf of someone else. I mean, it's one thing if you're doing something to manifest for yourself, but if the thing you're doing is to change the will of someone else, it's not something that I double in. They are pilisa and moshi. And, you know, I feel like that's just some comic things that I don't want to dabble in. But we know that there's a lot of people who do dabble in that. But if we're going to carry on talking about that and what the other people do, I think we're going to take away from the light and the great work that Ubungoma can also have to offer. Definitely. Um, I think also, I think you've addressed this a little bit, but, um, you know, what what is our ethical obligation um, towards our clients and towards ourselves when people come to us with things that are a little bit outside of our um, our comfortability and, and our boundaries within our, our practice. What is our ethical obligation towards ourselves and our clients? And are those things often in, in conflict? And how do we resolve that? I think that if we can put it into like um, terms of like a doctor, you know, like a medical doctor, they have a medical oath, right? As traditional healers, we have Umteto Weshob and different Mbandes and different um, schools of thought might differ on little elements here and there of what Umteto Weshob Awabo comes to, right? But I think at the basis, it's it's very similar to what doctors say, you know, to cause no harm. It's very important that when you're a light worker, um, and I'm saying light worker because I'm I'm very aware that there are others that are not light workers, right? Um, I, I also am very aware that they can't be light without the dark. So when you're a healer, you have to cause no harm. Um, so where a person comes to you um, with a certain problem, if you first of all can't help them entirely, then move them over to someone who can, you know, like a referral system. If you can help them, but it's very important to help them in the ways that, you know, no shortcuts. Make sure that you start from the bottom. And the best way to do that is with a thorough, thorough investigation, often done through consultations. 
um, no shortcuts around what you're doing because this is a person's life that you're dealing with. Yes, their problem might be, for example, I am unemployed, but it could be the, the reason behind that, the root cause of that could be something generational, could be something done um, by their mother or by their father's family many years ago. And you're not going to know those things until you do that proper investigation. So we're bound by doing no harm. We're bound by doing our best with the help of the people that guide us, with the help of the teachings that are instilled in us. But more than that, it's also our duty to educate, right? Because a person will come into your Ndumba having spent maybe the whole evening, the whole night on TikTok, for example, or on Facebook or, or any social media platform. And I mean, TikTok is insane these days. You can type in anything. It's almost, it's very similar to a search engine now, right? I know I look for a lot of things on TikTok, like recipes. So a person could literally sit and type in, I don't know, reasons for job loss, you know, ubungom. And there's going to be so many different videos of different perspectives, different reasons that are going to pop up. And it's very easy to, to, to jump into a rabbit hole of things. So when a person comes to you, it's also your chance and your duty to educate them according to how you do things as a healer. But more than that, because I think Ubuntu is also very important. And culture is very, very important in the work that we do. Further than that, you need to make sure that you're not being a hypocrite in what you're doing. You can't yeah. give advice to this person, yet it's not advice that you would take yourself. You know, I think it's very difficult to separate Ubungoma from yourself because you are the healer. The healing is in you. You are the one who carries out the healing. It's not something that you can switch off. I mean, we go to bed at night and we dream. There isn't a break from this type of work that we do. So the morals that you carry as a person often if not all the time, have to go in line with the way you carry out your practice. Because you are the face of that practice. You are the face of your ancestors. So I don't think you can separate those things. Mm. Well, very, very nicely put, Amina. Um, so I, you spoke a little bit about your experiences with a male client, right? Um, who had sought to get, mm. you know, his partner bank back. Within the space of Ubungoma, there is a lot of like feminization of, you know, um instances like that, you know, where people would would seek the solutions from Izangoma, where partners are said to have been mm. mostly female who go out and seek um spiritual interventions from their partners or rather for their partners. Why do you think that is, hey? Why do you think that women are the ones that are largely painted as ones who 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 interfere the most spiritually? I think it's it's something that we can that we can base on a lot of things that happen globally, right? It's not I don't think it's something that is unique to Ubungoma. I think firstly and foremostly, just putting it out there, it's patriarchy, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's misogynistic, you know. Um, 
it's it's those things that it's those that socialization that unfortunately we live in lately that everything negative per se is always carried out by a woman right um even though even the term feminist is now used to describe an angry person often a woman of color you know <laughs> a, a black woman who's angry at men who's anti men that's not even the case um so i think it's it's all those reasons but also because patriarchy and and misogyny informs us that as a man this is who you are and what you are right you know you've got a you're the head of the household you've got your your life together you you don't need other interference you can do this all on your own you know and socialization will tell you that no the woman is the homemaker she'll do everything to make sure that her home is running her her her, her, her kids are fed you know all those type of you must keep a man. Yes, you must keep a man, you know? But you don't hear them talking about a, a, a man must keep a woman, right. you know? Like, all those types of things are, are just, it's the socialization that is heavily, heavily formed by patriarchy and misogyny. And even worse in Ubungoma, because, you know, now it's also informed a lot by culture. And culture in its own has a lot of patriarchy, patriarchic um, elements and misogynistic elements. So that, of course, have been skewed to suit the people of the times, because if you often look back to the reasoning of something, you will understand that it was for the protection of this group and that group. Obviously, towards binary groups here, now I'm going to talk about men and women, right? Um, but it's, it's, it's because of how everything has just been caused to exist in a binary world men mm-hmm. and women misogyny patriarchy you know further than that it's also informed by the oppression of women mm-hmm. because language is oppressive you know um ideologies are oppressive um treatment is oppressive so if we can make all those things be in line with patriarchy and misogyny then we are winning out in our oppression of women which is how the world is designed, unfortunately, to suit men. So I think that's why it, it, it then filters into Ubungoma in the ways that it does, because it's very easy for a person to say, no, woman, I, I remember we experienced that as Amatwasana, where I, I had a, a sibling who was, we tossed with a guy as well in our group. Um who would say, no, you can't enter the Mutindumba on your period. I lost it the one day. I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't understand this. By the way, my Kobela is a woman. And snom of how we conduct ourselves when we're in our period. What you're trying to do, like I literally t- told him off. But there are things that are put in place and practices that are put in place to fix what someone is going to come at you as ammunition towards their own patriarchy, for example, you know, and, and it's, it's because we don't have knowledge of those things, you know, or because there's just so much oppression around those little elements that have been placed, put in place that you'll even find that you yourself as a, as a woman, some in a space will find yourself oppressed. But it's, it's quite interesting because at the same time, if you look at stats or just like look around you, the, the, the majority of healers are women. 
you know, that there's more, even just visibly, it's just that there's a more, there's, there's a higher amount of women healers than there are of men healers. Yet there's still oppression that exists even in the practice itself. So I don't think it's an oppression that's unique to Ubungoma. I think it's informed by many other things. Yes, internalized misogyny as well, because even these ideas are carried out by women, a lot of them. Definitely. I mean, the idea of, you know, practices and, you know, ethics of practice in and around when you're on your period alone, um, you will be in a mbande where it's just women, but there are such stringent rules and you know, just bordering on, you know, quite hectic, not just bordering on quite hectic, but quite hectic, you know, on your handling of umuti, how you see clients and what that means, I suppose, of, uh, around yes. the cleanliness of your person as well. So definitely internalized misogyny acts in the way that um, we even do ubungoma as as, as female sangomas. Um and and I think that was very well put. I think what I want to go into a little bit is, you know, your relationship um, and and how spirituality has acted on it, right? What have your experiences being a couple and a couple who is spiritual together? What have they been like? <laughs> um, what have they been like? Um, they've been interesting I think to say the least they've been interesting in the sense that um, our relationship is heavily influenced by our spirituality sure Mm. Um, so there isn't there isn't a part of our relationship that doesn't um, respect our spirituality or isn't informed by our spirituality Mm. even even and since, yes, yes. Sorry, and I think Cynthia, I think this question is a little bit more for you. But <laughs> um, being a partner with Umundu or Twasile, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people wonder what that is like. And I think for those who are wondering, for our audience members who are wondering, can you just tell us a little bit about your experiences there? Mm-hmm. It's not for the faint hearted. Yo. Because, <laughs> like, it's a kind of rules. It's a lot. You have to guess. You have to palaza. I didn't know how to palaza. <laughs> I was taught how to palaza. You have to pray. You know, it's like a routine, man. It's like a lifestyle. So, what I just know, Hore, Okanada. Uh, <laughs> like it's a lot <laughs> and I think I ask because personally I don't have experience of doing relationship within spirituality Um, I think where I come from you know even the idea of Ukjola was very shunned by you know she's very much an older traditional person so the only relationship that is really spoken about is marriage, which is obviously nearly unattainable without um, going through, you know, dating and ukjola. So um, I suppose my next question is, 
you know, what are some of the misconceptions that you guys have dealt with within your relationship um, around firstly being in a relationship and and also having the element in this relationship? My favorite question that people always ask Cynthia is like, so now we are twice. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, no. <laughs> so literally look at each other and I'll laugh and they'll answer whatever the case might be. Um I think also it's it's helpful that we are we exist within like a community of like-minded people. Yeah. So misconceptions don't really reach us. They don't. They like that. Mm, I, I don't think they really reach us. And mm. yeah. I just think because when, so I, I, I've i been sitting here putting your relationship in the context of Indra Soyamia Kutsolo, right? And I'm just trying to think, you know, if had you been my sibling in that environment um, and you are in your relationship, because I mean, a lot of people had to hide their relationships, right? Um, and you're in your relationship and we're in this rural Eastern Cape setting. I just wonder how your relationship would have been made sense of. And not just because um, you're two women in a relationship, but I just think the fact that you're in a relationship being a Sangoma in the first place. You know, because I think a lot of the people don't conceive us as human beings that have relationships. True, mm-hmm. true. You're very, you're yeah. very right. Um, but I think also, I think also being blessed and guided to a, a, a to teachers rather, because I, I don't think Kwabela Wam is the only person who taught me and has informed Ubungo Mabam as it is. So I like talking about it in a in a plural sense. I think being blessed and guided towards teachers that are um, aware of the times we live in, first of all, um, who are also a bit modernized, maybe that's not the best word, but I'm lacking a better word, but who are also realistic, you know, I think that's the most important thing. Even myself, before going to Tuas, I always used to to find these very important qualities that I was also hoping for in a Kobela. Um, so finding also a very realistic person. But I myself am also a very forthcoming and open person. So it's you like you, you need to take me as I am. Otherwise, I and the Um and also because I don't think there's I'm not aware of anything that my relationship does to hinder Ubungo Mabam or Ubusango Mabam mm. from making Yes. And so a lot of people, okay, so a lot of people have this conception, Yoguti, you know, your people, Idlozlako, are the ones that are the custodians of even deciding who you're in a relationship with, right? And And how that obviously would then speak to how we have the right in choice and the thing that it's a fixed thing, Yobuti, it was Lias Ketela, or you know, what is 
our role in this because a lot of people also make this um they misconstruct it Lucy, as this thing that is absolute and that chooses your life for you and you're just like on the sidelines sort of saying yes in fear of death or whatever um so can you talk to us a little bit about that um i agree to some extent but i also like disagree with some parts of it um because i mean it was the pillar go away right but it doesn't choose you by mistake right so it's very amazing are very aware of the host that they choose, right? There are no parts of you before you even gain knowledge or even awaken to those parts of yourself. Um, so I don't think it it would ever be a situation where they are altering who you are intrinsically, you know, to suit their needs or what they want to exist. That's the first point. And then further than that, do they choose who you want, yes and no. I think it's like with everything um, in in terms of like being a sangoma or being a person that's gifted, is that you when you when you want something, and I think even living in an age of like manifesting, you know, and like let's manifest the world we want, let's manifest the month we want to experience, all of that. I think it's the same thing when you're looking for a partner, except to maybe as a Sangoma, you're more equipped with the words you need to say, with the things that you need to do in order to attract this partner that you want, right? Um, and to set yourself, to put yourself, or rather to set up the environment for this relationship to happen, for you to meet this person. So I do agree with the fact that they can choose a person for you, but I feel like that is not just limited to spiritually gifted people. Mm. I feel like everybody's partner is chosen for them for many mm. reasons, because relationships, whether marriage, whether partnerships, are not just done for you as a human being. It's a bloodline. Thing. Yes, it's also a bloodline thing, right? For the well-being of my child, mm. which is who you are. You know, yes, it can get drastic to an extent that, okay, so they do very drastic and intentional things. But I think the reason why we experience the wrath more is because we're more aware of it. I think we can base this, this, like this perception on any other type of relationship that, okay, they don't want you to be with this person anymore. And, you know, everything is tumbling down within that relationship. But it becomes a lot more microscopically focused because you're a sangoma. Oh. No, I, I don't think, I don't think it's it's one without the other. Yes, your work in this life is different. You have a different purpose, and 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 and. But I think it's for everybody. Like it exists for anybody. Do you want to add? No, I was just like, even the the way we met. You know how we met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was orchestrated. I feel like it was orchestrated by Amatlozi. Because this person just popped up out of nowhere on my feed. And I was like, who is this person? Let me just follow them. And I slid in their DMs only to find that this person, I'm like, <laughs> I was so confused. And then that's how we started talking. Yo. Yeah, it was just a. So you literally started your interaction when she was. Yes. Yes. 
the time you are really not supposed to be jollarizing. Exactly. <laughs> or looking. <laughs> you said I see all of this, but here's my person. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> that time I was not looking for anyone. Hey, but then here comes a stranger. <laughs> you know, yeah. quite fitting, right? Quite a fitting. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. A few months later. <laughs> sure, yeah. guys. Um, I think to, to wrap up, um, I just want to hear from the two of you that, you know, are there do's and don'ts within the practice of spirituality in your relationship, right? So there's a bit of a contentious matter on the internet right now, right? Iyoguti, people should not be partnering or conducting spiritual practices with their romantic partners, right? Um, you know, where do you stand on that? What is your knowledge or your experience of that? Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think also we have this thing of always wanting to correct things that we see on the internet and not being realistic about the lives that we live. Again, going back to the thing that you mentioned earlier that Sangomas are still humans, right? We're people who have who are actually having a very deep human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, might I add like a very like weird one because half of the time it's this human experience, other half it's all these other people talking to you and giving you directions. But it's it's weird that you're going to now see someone doing something so simple as Ulaiti Kanjel and speaking to Abandu Bakibo and then questioning or having something to say about that. I mean, like, if you think about it, when you go to, like, any cleansing or any space with a healer and do you guys not pass up first? You know, if your partner is there, must your partner then sit in the car? You know, this oh. is the, like, like, realistically, you spend... 90% if not all your time with this person, mm-hmm. you're sharing your life with this person. Your guides know who you're with. They're already aware of the fact that you're spending your life with this person. Mm-hmm. If we want to take it back to the previous question, they have chosen this partner for you, right? <laughs> and now you can't partner with them. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You pray with this person. Yeah. You you pray together. Mm. Um and I mean, they know the type of life that you need. Exactly. They're aware of it. Mm. I mean, in our relationship, we pray together. Um, we partner together. So I'll partner first. Or Cynthia will partner first. Dim partly. So whatever the case might be. Right. Mm. And if I want to go to the river, Cynthia will accompany me. If I've got a client that I need to go clean somewhere, or Cynthia's on Kappa. Um, like like I said earlier in the beginning is that like our our relationship is very much informed by our spirituality and our spirituality is very much informed by our relationship. Mm-hmm. So, so they work hand in hand. Intertwined. Yeah, they're intertwined. Further than that, like, if I think also that thing of wanting to remove now, you know, it would be very difficult for me to be, okay, and then switch that part off and then now must be your partner. Like I said, that thing... Being a Sangoma doesn't, you don't get a break from it. It's not something that you can separate from yourself. So I think it's very, 
unrealistic to assume that I am not going to do these spiritual acts or these spiritual things with my partner. I mean, like if I've got a cleansing in two weeks time, I'm fasting Dizilile, right? Dizilile, that, that cleansing. And Cynthia will be aware of that. Sometimes Cynthia will even fast with me. You know, so like they said, very strict rules in the relationship because of it's informed by the spirituality. So I wouldn't say there's necessarily do's and don'ts besides respect. Including consultation, right? So going to consult together yeah. as a couple. Um, yeah, definitely yeah. go to consult together as a couple, sit in, in each other's consultations, mm-hmm. be there. I know Cynthia has been there. Like, you know, like this person is in a relationship with me holistically, not with just Amina. But yeah. to end co so i think just trying to separate that for other people if you have a zel as long as be happy so but like in in our relationship it's very intertwined yeah i think like you said people behind our screen cinema king ben and i think um, that is really sort of the nail on the coffin that really more than anything, when you strip away what some of these do's and don'ts are, it's really our nature as people to like to just sit and be corrective and to be very prescriptive of what we think spirituality uh, should be encompassing and non-encompassing of. And I think the fact that African spirituality and whatever, it's very prescriptive and very strict. Mm-hmm. Um, the cultural norms and the way that things are done are very are nearly non-negotiable. And so I think we take that and we want to apply that to every single aspect of life, giving us non-flexibility and just making us unhappy because I can't think of living with a partner and being with a partner but with partners that seems a bit much um exactly yeah yeah i think thank you guys so much for joining us in discussion today um i think we've learned a lot and unpacked a lot and i think one of the things we can take away from this discussion is that can we not be so stringent in how spirituality happens um can we not you know can we not rob ourselves and our partners and each other of having fruitful spiritual relationships ones where we are able to intertwine who we are spiritually and who we are physically because i think the moment we try to separate those two things, the relationship itself has the likelihood of yeah, and I think can we be more open as well about what we can and cannot do spiritually and what relationships must and must not look like. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us in this discussion, and I hope to have you on again very soon. Thank you so much for having us. And that is it from this edition of Gogo Have I Been Scammed. To share your story with us, please email us on 
Coco have I been scammed at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can reach out to us on social media on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under the handle at Coco Have I Been Scammed. Remember that you can find our latest podcast episodes on the Sowetan Live website under the podcast tab or across digital streaming platforms, Iono FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Coco Have I Been Scammed is a Times Live production and our producer is Demi Buzo. I have been your host, Coco Zipo Dolamo, and until next time, Togozani Tamakwini, Emma Kosini.